If you are under construction and committed to living life like it matters, you have found a home. Check us out on Facebook where we post new shows every day. Facebook.com slash LIM Radio. For information on my transformational leadership training where I teach you how to live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net. And if you have a spiritual appetite, check out my daily devotional with some wisdom from above at wayofwarrior.blog. That's wayofwarrior.blog. The time is now to live life like it matters. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for your hour of power. This is where we're living life like it matters. This is part of the Like It Matters radio network. And today's podcast and radio show, we're going to be talking about business. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what's your business? What businesses of yours? Get out of my business, right? You ever hear those sayings, right? And what is your business? You know, I do leadership training, intensive leadership training for 30 years, uh, celebrating my 30-year anniversary. You can go to likeitmatters.net, likeitmatters.net, and read about my 48-hour transformational leadership training, the most powerful, challenging, uh, life-changing 48 hours that most people ever experience in their entire life. And we get people from all walks of life, all income levels, all age groups. My age group of past attendants is as young as 12 years old. Uh, and oldest is 84. I've had an 84-year-old man. I've had a 12-year-old boy. And I've had everything in between. I think my oldest woman in class, I think it was 73 years old. We have retired people. We have professional people. We have law enforcement. Uh, police officers get 30 post-certified credits for our training. Military heroes. College students. Retired people. Uh, unemployed people. People who just got out of prison. People who would never go to prison. And we have them... Uh, Uh, for two and a half days, look at their life, live a self-examined life. And we have them pose questions to themselves. And a lot of times I will ask them questions about their personal life and their business life. And whenever I talk about business, I always tell them that when you hear me talking about business, I'm talking about what you do with majority of your waking hours. Because if you have a J-O-B and you get a paycheck, then you spend the majority of your waking hours at that J-O-B. So if you're a housewife or a house husband, your business is your family. If you're a full-time student, your business is your education, right? Uh, If you're homeless, your business is getting on your feet. You got my point? And so we need to know our business, right? Why do we get up each day, do what we do, go home at night, get up the next day, and do it again and again and again? Look at Jesus, the Son of God himself, when he walked incarnate on this planet. When people always wanted to grab a hold of his schedule, people always wanted to tell him to do this, to do that, whether it be eating or sleeping or whatever, he would say, I'm about my father's business. When Jesus, I think, was 12 years old, they were in Jerusalem for the Passover or for census. If you remember the story, you know, his whole family's there all traveling together. They leave Jerusalem after the event, and I think it was a day later or something, and they go, hey, where's Jesus? Do you have Jesus? No, I thought you had Jesus. No, I don't have Jesus. Where's Jesus? So they had to go back to Jerusalem, and there they found him in the temple. 
And when his mom, Mary, was so upset, uh, why would you do this to us? Why you scare us? Why would you do? Why would, blah, blah, blah. You know what he said? Where did you think I'd be? In my father's house about my father's business. And that was what he said as well when he was at the well. With a woman, remember, she had five husbands and she was sleeping with a man who was not her husband. And Jesus said that to her, right? And then the disciples came back after she was talking to the woman after getting food and said, Jesus, you need to eat something. And he says, my food is to do the will of my father. And so what is your business? And today, I want to suggest that no matter what you do for a paycheck, if you get a paycheck, we are in the people business. I remember years ago, uh, I did a lot of work with Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola Enterprises. I've had somewhere close to about a thousand people uh, go through uh, my training from Coca-Cola. A matter of fact, my uh, CFO of my uh, Like It Matters nonprofit uh, is Craig, who was the CFO of Coca-Cola. Went through my training 21 years ago, been through many of my courses. All his friends have been through my training, and now he's my CFO. But I remember years ago, I had a I still remember his name, Doug Herndon. Doug Herndon, at the time, uh, he was CFO of the Mid-Atlantic region, uh, which is in Baltimore. And if you're listening, Doug, hey, how you doing, brother? And so I remember at one time in the class when it was near the end, uh, Doug said to me, you know, Black, Coca-Cola is not in the sugar water business. Coca-Cola is in the people business. We just sell sugar water to make a profit. And I remember... Years before that, and it was in the 80 Olympics, almost guaranteed it was the 80 Olympics. Uh, remember, it was in Atlanta. Uh, and I'll never forget USA Today. Uh, I don't know if they still have the same thing. I haven't read it in decades. But USA Today used to have a pullout section that whenever they had a special event, you know, the Super Bowl, CES show, the Olympics, they would have a special section in the center of the paper that they would pull out that would just be on that special event. And I remember turning that special event in 1980 and pulling it out, and this was the headline. Corporate CEOs treated like rock stars in Olympic Village. And the whole story was about these corporate CEOs that were at the Olympic Village floating around, and wherever they went and spoke, there was crowds following. They were like rock stars. And I remember the article I read, uh, and they had quoted the CEO of McDonald's at that time. Again, we're talking 40-some years ago. Uh, and this was the quote. McDonald's is not in the people business. And I think it was, we're in the burger and fry business. We just sell burgers and fries to make a difference. Coca-Cola is not in the sugar water business. They just sell sugar water to make a profit. Think about God. I have people all the time, because first and foremost, I'm a man of God. I'm a pastor as well. Uh, people ask me, why am I here? What's my purpose? And I tell people it's easy. The whole reason that mankind was created, and you are part of mankind, womankind, is for relationship, for vertical relationship and for horizontal relationship. I have four cats. I know two of them are rescue cats that wound up in our garage, and then we just kept them. But why do I have pets? They cost me money. I just got a new cat, an orange cat, a ginger cat, 
uh, got a bent tail, uh, couldn't tell he was abused, kind of scared of everything, a year and a half old. He acts like he's only, uh, you know, one and a half day old. He's a little kid, right? Uh, and what, it's cost me $500. I had to get him spayed and had to get him fit, you know, fixed and get him his shots and get him his dewormed and all that. $500, money we don't have. And then some people, you would say, well, why, why do you have pets, Mr. Black? And I would say for a relationship. You know, dogs are man's best friend. If you have a close family pet, if you're an animal lover, and that animal dies, it is very little difference between losing a other family member, a human family member. It rocks your world. It breaks your soul. And it's about relationships. See, that's why God created us, for relationships with him. Because we're here to glorify God. That's your purpose in life, glorifying God. And now you just got to figure out how to do that with your gifts, talents, resources, your past, your pain, your all that stuff. Uh, but that's why we're here. And then also for vertical relationships. In other words, uh, we got the one with God. I'm sorry, vertical relationships and horizontal relationships, ones with man. That's what you got to realize. It's all about relationships. How will we be remembered when we take our last breath and we're lying in a box and called a coffin at the front of the room and then people come up to eulogize us? You know what they're going to eulogize? You know what the most powerful testimony is going to be? Is all about relationships. Those people's lives who were impacted by that person in the box, the time that they spent when no one else was spent, the time that they were there when no one else was there. It's all about relationships. So, ladies and gentlemen, if it's all about people, then there's some information we didn't know, right? We didn't know how people work. We need to know what drives people. We need to know what shuts people off. We need to know that people are different, right? We're all different, right? Matter of fact, we live in America today that focuses on all the differences. And so, you need to know, if you're in the computer business, you know computers, right? If you're in the social media business, you know social media, right? If you're in the travel business or real estate business, you know travel or real estate. Well, we're all in the people business, then we need to know people. We need to know the similarities and we need to know the differences. If we're going to live our lives like they matter, then it's all about understanding that we are in the people business. We'll be right back. When I attended the Leadership Awakening workshop, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open. The tools taught at Leadership Awakening helped me discover things about myself that were holding me back from being all God created me to be. Providential? That word coins these life-changing classes because I now realize there are works God has already created for me to walk in, and these workshops helped me to see this more clearly. I received practical insights that I am already applying to be a more focused businesswoman, influential mom to my two teenagers, an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, and patient and passionate wife. I got rid of a lot of clutter in my head. BS, they call it, belief systems that were not serving me. If you want to know what it means to empower others instead of trying to control them, if you want to build a productive team in two days, if you want to press the reset button in your life and give yourself a fresh new beginning, then do yourself and your family a favor and attend the next Leadership Awakening. It's time the giant in you comes alive. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters is what it'll sound like on the podcast page. But you know, this is an hour of power. This is where we're under construction. 
This is where we're working to be a little bit better today than tomorrow, than yesterday, a little bit better tomorrow than today. In the corporate world, we call it Lean Sigma. In the corporate world, we call it Lean Manufacturing or Lean Sigma, all based on Dr. Edward Deming's constant and never-ending improvement. We call that Cani, C-A-N-I. And my training that I do at likeitmatters.net comes from the Japanese training of Kenrishi Yosegaka, which at the time was the Harvard of Business Leadership Schools. And that was 30 years ago where I learned this. Today, it's far more uh, than it was 30 years ago. Man, we're changing lives. But this is our 30th year anniversary. Please go to likeitmatters.net. Do yourself a favor. Make 2022 a great year by getting your butt in my 48-hour class. We start on Thursday at 4, and you're done Saturday by 5, uh, and I guarantee you the toughest, most powerful, transformational two and a half days you could ever imagine. That is where this radio show comes from. You know, we have a timeline, ladies and gentlemen, and what we do with time is absolutely incredible. Uh, it's incredible. It's critical. It is the one um, resource that is limited. You can get a new house. You can get a new car. You can get a new spouse. You can get new kids. You can get a new prostate. You can get a new, you know, you can get a new everything, right? You get a new president. Uh, you can get a new uh, direction in, in America. You can get a, a new, um, you know, right? You got, you got my point, right? But we have a limited amount of time. There's only so much time. You know, God basically created us and he gave us a start date. And he gave us an end date, and he knew all that information before we were even a cell in our mother's womb. And so we have a past, a present, and we have a future by the grace of God. Dale Valente, right? Most people live in their past. They would pretend like they don't, but they do. Most people have misfiled their past into their future. Everything that happened in the past really dictates everything that happens in the future. And then we have a, a future. We have a tendency to dream to look forward to this or look forward to that. The problem is we're not guaranteed. Planes crash and people die. It's a fact of life. And you never know when your time is up, when your number's been called. And so we have this place called the now that we live in. That's the only place we can live in. We must live in the now. Learn from the past and focus on the future, but we can only live in the now. And helpless and hopeless is a wrong direction. Helpless and hopeless is usually looking in the past. Helpless and hopeless is people having no reason to push themselves because life sucks today and tomorrow will be no better, right? I mean, one of the biggest causes of death uh, is suicide. You look at under the age of 45, the number one cause leading a death is a fentanyl overdose, drug overdose. Look it up. And yet no one's concerned about the southern border. No one's doing anything about that. How about our military? You know, you hear about all these people quitting the military because they're mandating this. It's not a vaccine. I don't know why people call it a vax. It's a treatment. They're, you're putting chemicals in your body. You're modifying your RNA. You're putting aborted baby parts in your body. You're putting poison in your body that's making the body create more poison. Uh, it's that protein. I promise you, I study this stuff. I know I have a medical background, I'm telling you. And so why, why do we need to know all this stuff? Because there's a lot of people that are helpless and hopeless. 86 people in two years in the military, all branches, active, reserve, National Guard, 86 people in two years have died 
of COVID. That, that's what we're saying. They could have died with COVID, for all we know. But they died, and they had COVID in them. Whether that caused the death or not, I don't I haven't seen the stats. But 86 people, do you know how big our military is? When you take our active duty, our reserve duty, our National Guard, 86 people. Do you realize in the last three months, from July to September of last year, uh, 163 military people took their own lives? How about law enforcement officers, right? I mean, January 6th. You know, uh, we want to attack law enforcement officers on one side, but then when they attack conservatives, we love them, right? So January 6th, one person was killed, Ashley Babbitt. That cop who died, he had a stroke. He was unhealthy. He was going to die whether he was at home or there. He didn't die at the event or because of the event. He died from poor health, and he has a stressful job. Uh, and then three weeks later, some left-wing lunatic uh, wound up dying uh, as, as well or killed a cop, I think, was in, in some weird thing he did, right? And then a few, a uh, little bit after that, two law enforcement officers took their lives from the stress. And we don't know why. But, man, more law enforcement officers die from their own gun than die from someone else's. Suicide and depression is big. Why? Because of this thing called helpless and hopeless. And so life sucks today, and tomorrow's going to be no better. That's what's going on with this corona. It's like, when are we going to be done with this thing? I thought two weeks to flatten the curve. Uh, Joe Biden ran that Donald Trump screwed the whole thing up, and if that many people died, he doesn't deserve to be president. Well, way more people have died under Biden the same amount of time they died under uh, Trump, and Trump got everybody a vaccine. And yet, no one's saying anything now anymore. No one's saying anything about 163 military members dying, but yet they're panicking about COVID. How many kids have actually died from COVID? Remember, so to my ear, Supreme Court Justice said there's 100,000 kids on ventilators and ready to die in hospitals. That's not true at all. I think the maximum number is like 3,500. But she said 100,000. It's fear. And so what we got to do is get our focus off fear, get our focus off the past, and then we got to focus on the future because that's where hope resides. So I love this quote by President Ronald Reagan. He said, the futures always look bleak till people with brains and faith and courage who dreamed and dared to take risk found a way to make it better. If we're free to dare, and we are, if we're free to give, and we are, then we're free to shape the future and have within our grasp all that we dream that future will be. And so my job is to get you focused on what really matters, get you focused in the right direction, because the good Lord put the eyes in the front of our face, because we move in the direction of our focus, and we focus in the direction of our movement. And the battle's in the mind. And we are so confused. we got so many things pulling at us, right? Shiny object, squirrel. And so we need to focus. I teach an incredible state of focus. The battle is in the mind. The study of epigenetics tells us that we are a product of our environment. We are technically a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. And that is the statement and um, belief of Dr. Bruce Lipton in the book, Biology of Belief. And the ultimate environment is our minds between the stimulus and the response. Now, we are told, Dr. Caroline Leaf posits, that a human individual has about thirty to 60,000 thoughts per day. In the magazine Fast Company, in an article about the amount of information we take in, this is what they said. We've created a world with 300 exabytes of human-made information. Exabyte. An exabyte is 1,024 times larger than a petabyte. There are approximately 1,024 
terabytes, sorry, terabytes, or one million gigabytes in a petabyte. That's a lot of information. But there's more. As we read further, the human brain is loaded daily with 34 gigabytes of information. That's a lot. No wonder we're confused, right? This deluge of information in modern times by the media and other information sources has led to daily, quote, bombing of the average human brain with such a large volume of information. We get overloaded and we lose our focus. The study, by the way, conducted by researchers at University of California, San Diego, under Roger Bond, according to the British Times of London and Telegraph, believes that people are every day inundated with the equivalent amount of 34 gigabytes of information, a sufficient quantity to overload a laptop within a week. Think about that. And think about what we got. We got so much pulling on us. The study was conducted a few years ago, so we're sure this number is much, much bigger. This was done four years ago. And through your YouTube, think about it, Facebook, Twitter, 24-hour news, mobile phones, online entertainment services, the Internet, electronic mail, television, text, radios, newspapers, books. Get it yet? People receive every day about 105,000 words or 23 words per, per second in half a day, 12 hours because it's waking hours, right? All this information is causing overload and causing people to shut down their system and take the easy way out and follow others and believe others. And that is where people start believing lies. They buy into a narrative that is destructive, that's inaccurate and misleading. In a word, they are programmed. We have ceased to learn and practice critical thinking and the process of deciphering the truth from a world that is lying to us for their own agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, we are like sponges. And when a sponge gets squeezed, the only thing that can come out of us is what was in us. Think about it. In a time of despair, desperation, survival, we go instinctual. We go to what we know. We have five portals of entry into our human experience, into our sponge, right? Visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, gustatory, our five senses, right? When a sponge gets squeezed, the only thing that can come out of them is what's in them. And in the story, you are the sponge. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we need to focus. The good Lord put the eyes in the front of our face because we move in the direction of our focus and we focus in the direction of our movement. If you're backing up a vehicle and you don't want to hit something, you must focus on that something at all times. You need to know how you work. And it's all about creating a great future. The future, this is by John Shar, is not a result of choices among alternative paths offered by the present, but a place that is created, created first in mind and will, created next in activity. The future is not some place we are going to, but one we are creating. The paths to it are not found, but made, and the activity in making them changes both the maker and the destination. And that's John Shar. And today, I want to go into that we are all in the people business. And so I want to get your focus off everything else, of all the other things you think you're here to do. And for the next little, about half hour, 45 minutes, I want to focus on being in the people business. And if you're in the people business, you need to learn about people. And uh, after the break, we're going to go into some details of how you can identify people so you can match them, model them, and connect with them. I am Black. We'll be right back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. 
Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to your hour of power where we're living life like it matters, like it matters radio. And please, if you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is search living life like it matters. Uh, that's where you'll find us uh, twice a week. We do a Monday story time with Mr. Black. That's a great story uh, where I tell a moral of the story afterwards tied into leadership. And then Thursday is a full blown episode, very similar uh, to like it matters radio. And if you want to uh, listen to a daily great radio show, like it matters radio, you can go to freedom1570.com. It plays from 11 a.m. to 12 noon live. It's based out of Minneapolis. I'm in Dallas, but it's heard all around the world. And if you miss any of that show or you get in a little late and you want to listen to the whole thing, all you got to do is go to likeitmattersradio.com, likeitmattersradio.com. And for you out there that have a spiritual bent where you want to get closer to God, more closer to God today than you were yesterday, closer to God tomorrow than today, then go to wayofwarrior.blog, wayofwarrior.blog. It's a daily blog I send out every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Been doing it for over eight years. If you go to the bottom of that first page, you'll see in the bottom right-hand corner a button that says follow. If you hit that button, uh, whenever I post it each day, uh, and I do do it each day, uh, it will actually send it right to your email. Uh, and it's inspirational, it's educational, applicational. It's taking the Word of God, manna from heaven, and applying it to your everyday life, breaking it down so it matters. So I like to keep it simple, soldier. I'm a great kisser. I believe the enemy's number one form uh, weapon formed against us is confusion. And if he can keep us confused, then he could play us. And a lot of you being played players, you don't even realize you're being played, but you are. You are. And that's what I do on this radio show. That's what I do on this podcast. That's what I do in my leadership class. I pull back the curtains. I let you see what's really going on uh, because Joseph Goebbels taught us uh, with enough repetitions, you can make any group of people believe that a square is a circle. I mean, there are things on right now, bold-faced lies. I mean, early on two years ago, look at the, listen to the radio shows. I said that they're going to have to, on this uh, COVID, they're going to have to make this number as big as possible. They're going to inflate this number as big as they can. They have to justify destroying our economy. They have to justify destroying our fossil fuel industry. They're going to have to justify all this stuff. And people, oh, no, no, no. And now what did you hear from the new governor uh, of New York, right? These numbers are wrong. That about 60% of all COVID numbers are not COVID related. They are asymptomatic with COVID, but they're in the hospital for something totally different. And then they asymptomatically tested positive for COVID. I said early on, there's a difference between dying with COVID and dying from COVID. And even the CDC, uh, what was it, Tuesday in hearings said that 40% of the numbers are wrong. 40% are attributed to COVID that were not COVID. Again, these are people that went to the hospital, something else, died from a car accident, and then when they got a PCR test, they showed positive for symptoms of COVID, for the virus, but they didn't have really symptoms, they were asymptomatic. And so that death was claimed as a COVID death. So now we're finding out, and yet I posted this stuff on Facebook and social media, and I got banned. I got kicked off of LinkedIn. 
uh, I got uh, shut down for a couple weeks on Facebook. Why? Because I'm saying what now the CDC is saying, what the government in New York is saying, and that's always been true. So you got to be careful, otherwise you're going to be played. And it really comes down to the level of life you're going to live in. You know, there are a lot of people that just want to survive. It's called existence. That's the lowest level. There's three levels we live on. And the first level, survival. You're just a squirrel working to get a nut, right? Uh, It's tough. You know, survival is just uh, your basic needs being having food, uh, having hopefully a safe place to sleep, whether it be on the street or in a house somewhere, uh, and just existing. You wake up every day, do what you do, go home at night, go to bed, get the next day until you take your last breath and die and find out there is a God. That's the lowest level. That's survival. That's where a lot of animals live. See, beyond that is success. And beyond that is significance. Those are the three levels of living, survival, success, and significance. See, it is the hard path that leads to significance. Remember, God tells us there's two paths out there. One is narrow. One is wide. One leads to life. One leads to death. One has so many people on it, it's party, and it's leading to destruction. The other one has very few people on it, and it's leading to life everlasting. And it's impossible to get to that third level significance without making a huge change. It's hard. See, survival is the default mode of the human experience. Success is about making a name, a kingdom, a family, a legacy, a future for yourself and maybe a few others that get your, quote, overflow. Significance, however, requires others. An outcome of significance requires a change of focus, that you go from being a cistern and having others pour into you for your own gain to a conduit, one who passes grace, mercy, gifts, talents, times, resources into others for a bigger vision, right? There's only two vessels we can be as a human being. You can either be a cistern or you can be a conduit. A cistern holds things, like a vase or a vase, depending on how much money you make, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a well, uh, it's a bowl, it's a cup, it holds things. However, a conduit is a pass-through agent. And I always use the Dead Sea as an example. The Dead Sea is one of the lowest points on the planet of the Earth, one of the lowest points on the planet Earth. A couple of underground waterways feed the Dead Sea. But get this, nothing comes out of the Dead Sea that's why it's dead. And there are a lot of Dead Sea leaders out there. People that have been poured into, people that have been invested in, people that have been given so many opportunities, so many people reached out, and yet you're keeping it all to yourself so that you can be successful. Get it yet? But there are those, those that are called to a high level or a significance where they become a conduit. And a conduit is a pass-through agent. A conduit gets blessed so they can bless other people. A conduit gets resources so they can pass those resources on to other people. It's like a sprinkler system. You have this beautiful grass on top and you have these little sprinkler heads that stick out. But underground, you have this series of pipe. It's called PVC. And that PVC pipe is a conduit. It doesn't hold anything. Its sole purpose is is to move something from point A to point B. Move water from where it comes in from the water spigot to where it goes out through the sprinkler system to water that section of the grass. 
See, we need to realize that we need significance. See, success is usually the stepping stone to significance. You can't really be significant until you've been successful. It's a road on the journey if you get it. There has to be a certain amount of success in people's lives before they are willing to take the step to significance, where they ask themselves, what else is there in life beyond professional and monetary success? What about others? And pursuing significance takes us out of our comfort zones. Significance is not uh, an unattainable, you know, not, uh, you know, how do I put this? Significance is not attainable in a natural way. Our flesh is all about us. We want what we want. So you need to understand the natural and the unnatural. There are things that come easy and things that challenge you. Just because they come easy doesn't mean you should do them. And just because they're challenging doesn't mean you shouldn't do them. Think about that. See, I don't think that you glide or fall into significance. You don't wake up one day and say to yourself, I'm significant. Significance takes us out of comfortable territory into uncomfortable territory. You know why? Because it's not about us. Rusty Rustenbach, uh, in his pastoral article, Giving Yourself Away, hits this topic out of the park. Here's what he writes. You and I live in an age where only a rare minority of individuals desire to spend their lives in pursuit of objectives which are bigger than they are. In our age, for most people, when they die, it will be as though they never, ever lived. Wow. What significance is sensed? Nothing else will satisfy. Isn't that incredible? To love what you do and to feel that it matters. How could anything be more fun? I think it was Catherine Graham that said that. And so significance requires other people. Remember today's show is called what? The People Business. Because we're all in the people business. And if you're going to be in the people business, you need to know people. And one of the things you need to know about people is hurting people hurt people. See, you can ban all the guns you want. You can ban all the stuff you want. You can ban pencils. Uh, I, I watch a lot of killer shows. You know what I call killer shows? American Monster, 24 Hours, uh, Dateline, stuff like that, right? And one thing I've learned is guns don't kill people. No more than um, radiator fluid kills people or no more than a car by itself kills people, right? It's people that use other things to hurt other people. Matter of fact, um, Sandra Wilson, PhD, wrote a great book, Hurt People Hurt People. And in that book, uh, Wilson presents a theoretical self-help model for dealing with residual childhood hurts. Because the title is so powerful. I've learned um, uh, that a lot of our issues date back to our childhood. Hurting people hurt people. Dr. Wilson asserts that no living being is exempt from the reality of being deeply wounded and consequently wounding others. From her perspective, wounded souls are at the root of most maladaptive adult behaviors. She suggests that those wounds are the result of early childhood solutions to a real or at the very least a perceived threat to an innate survival instinct. Dr. Wilson posits that behavioral patterns and personality develop over time as a result of repeatedly answering questions with regard to a need for trust, identity, 
and attachment. Additionally, she suggests that a deep sense of binding shame developed during childhood in response to demands for perfection and a misguided understanding of the Word of God exacerbates adult life problems. Binding shame is the term that Dr. Wilson used. This is why we are in the people business. I'm standing where I am right now doing what I do because I spent couple decades wanting to fix myself. In the process of fixing myself from a traumatic childhood, I learned patterns. I learned how people work. I became a master practitioner of NLP, and NLP is the owner's instruction to the human experience. And after the break, I want to go into some details about people, because if you can identify certain traits about people, you have a real good opening of how to approach them. I'm Black. We'll be right back. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio, living life like it matters. And today, we're in your business, and we're talking about the people business. If you truly want to live a life of significance, then you must be in the people business. Remember the three levels of living. We can live in survival, we can live in success, but the highest level is significance, and significance requires other people. Rule number one about being a leader, it's not about you. Again, the way we're eulogized, the way we remember after we take our last breath on this planet is really in the relationships that we built, is really in the people we built. The people we made feel better or the people we made feel worse, the people who we were present with, the people who we encouraged, inspired, uh, built foundationally up to do great things. That's how we're remembered. So it's all about people. I don't care where you get your paycheck from. If you want to truly hit the mark, if you want to, to maximize the potentials you were created with, then you must be about People. We are all in the people business. There's a good uh, book, I think it is, uh, called Character Counts uh, by Michael Josephson. And he talks about the difference between success and significance. He says, the irony is that living a life focused on the pursuit of significance is so much more gratifying than one devoted to the treadmill of success. Whatever sacrifices are involved tend to enlarge rather than diminish personal satisfaction. Quite simply, it feels good really, really good to be valued and valuable. 
So people who pursue significance are concerned with making the most out of their lives. They help others, not only for the sake of those they help, but for their own sake. Think about this part of who they are. When we use our mental and material resources to make a positive difference in the lives of others, we are rewarded with a sense of satisfaction that's really hard to get in any other way. Success can produce pleasure without a doubt, but only significance can generate fulfillment. And success isn't going to get you into the kingdom of God, but significance. And to me, significance, a life, living a life of significance is where 323 and 66 uh, uh, cross, uh, what is it? Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, I think it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? And then Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to man. There's a life of significance. How about this one? Uh, Stephen Grillette, the Franco-American Quaker, said this, I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any fellow creature, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again, right? We don't have to be famous to be significant. Think about this. Every kind word, kind deed, thoughtful action is significant. And adding up over a lifetime in God's eyes, they make a life both significant and truly successful. Even Galatians 6, right? Uh, We're told that by Paul, right? To the church of Galatia, right? Galatia, whatever you want to call it, right? Carry one another's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Rabbi, which is the greatest law? It's easy to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. All the law and the prophets are surmised in this one thing. And the second is like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. And whenever you're dealing with people, you gotta realize you're dealing with a, 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 an analytical creature that is illogical. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Uh, and you're also dealing with an emotional creature. And whenever we're dealing with people, really two words come into play a lot, affirmation and validation. Uh, man, and, and there's a war on men out there. Men, the only drug that's illegal on a college campus is testosterone. Uh, they've been wanting to make uh, men look like, uh, what is it, Bundy? With, uh, you know, married with children and with Homer Simpson, right, with the symptoms, Simpsons and all these flu, uh, weird, guffawing, uh, dopey, you know, type of people. You know, every two years, the Democratic Party wants to, uh, you know, uh, scare everybody to death and say the uh, Republicans are waging a war on women. Well, what a great deflection. There's not a war on women. I mean, it's good to be a woman in today's world. Uh, it's good to be a black woman. A gay black woman who's Muslim, who's in a wheelchair, will get you a golden ticket to ride anything you want in this country, right? Because we get our DNA tested to see how much of a victim we are. But we're really going to look at it. If you look at the stats of homes without a father, of what happens to kids who grow up without the biological father in the house, uh, it's it's decimating. Uh, and I don't think you can compare it to when the woman, when the mother's not in the home, but the father, it has a huge impact. See, affirmation is a positive statement or declaration of the truth or existence of something, where validation is something is to give official sanction, confirmation, or approval to it. The act or process of making something officially or legally acceptable or approved. That's the validation. Think about this. You know, when you park, right? Parking is free with, quote, validation of your ticket, 
right? Got it? That, the mall system, right? Those of you that go to Mall of America, you know that. You can validate a ticket out, right? Can you do that? I know the parking's free. I know I've been there many times, I know, right? The system enables electronic validation. Most places you pay for parking, but if you can get it validated. So validation only comes from a father. Affirmation can come from almost anyone. Affirmation can come from a teacher, a mother, a brother, a sister, a friend, a coach, peers, Mr. Black, right? We can affirm you. And there are only two sources, though, of validation. Our Heavenly Father and our Earthly Father. And for those that choose not to have a relationship with God or not to even acknowledge His existence, uh, man, your Earthly Father is the only one that can really, truly uh, validate you. The problem is we often mistake affirmation for validation and we go after thinking that this is what we need. We go after validate, I mean affirmation. We want to be affirmed. I have not met many men or women who do not have some sort of father wound. I'm just going to be honest with you. Fathers are all important and they are the only ones apart from God the Father who brings validation in the life of a child. But as leaders, we can affirm people. And because there are so many people with four pa- uh, poor family backgrounds that they really don't know. And so there's a connection process. There's a connection process. Uh, I call it a five-step connection process, technically a four-step connection process. Uh, And it goes like this. If you want to connect with someone to build them up, to live a life of significance, then first, you need to always start with a desire. Second, you need to interview them. Third, you need to identify. Fourth, you need to adapt. And then five, You need to integrate. So again, the five-step connection process is one is desire, two is interview, three is identify, four is adapt, and five is integrate. So nothing great happens without desire. I believe there are three things to become your dreams. Want it, create it, live it. Uh, and, and nothing happens without desire. That's what want is about. Want is about desires, about creative discontent. It's not willing to be settled for the status quo. It's not saying things are bad, but they're saying things aren't good enough. I want more. And so first of all, you have to have a desire to connect with someone. You got to put your needs, your wants, all that on the sideline and focus on another person, which brings us to number two, interview. And by interview, I just mean interview. Interact. I don't mean you sit there across from them and you have a pad of paper in your hand and you ask them questions and you write down the answers. I mean you just talk to them, listen to them, watch them, be fully present with them. Which brings us number three. Now identify traits, qualities, predicates, communication styles. See, there are patterns all around us. And we must identify those patterns. If you're in the people business, you need to study people. Two of the things that I do and spend a lot of time on, and you know this, you've heard it, I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, right? Neuro-linguistic programming. NLP is the owner's instruction to the human experience. Our brain is a sensory-based organ, and every single thing we've ever experienced is stored in our mind, and it is stored in one or all five of the senses. The only way you can store any memory is through what you saw, what you heard, what you felt, what you smelt, what you tasted. And the way that most people process this experience called life is we do it through our our main senses, our visual sense where we see things, our auditory sense where we hear things, our kinesthetic sense where we feel things. And you can tell how this person processes. They're born this way based on their words, based on how they sit, 
based on how they interact. You can tell they're auditory. Visual people sit upright. They look you in the face. Uh, they stare. Auditory people touch their face a lot. Their head's tilted sideways like they're in a listing position, uh, and they don't need to look at you when they talk. Kinesthetic people, uh, they don't need to look at you at all when you're talking to them or when they're talking to you. They like to touch. They're fidgety. They move around a lot. They flop. They sloppy, right? Those are kinesthetic people. And then the fourth, the other thing uh, is uh, uh, NLP, right? And the DISC. DISC, D-I-S-C, four behavioral personality styles, right? I love this information because you can learn how to connect with people. And once you understand what zip code someone's coming from, then you can connect with them. That's what you identify. And then you adapt, meaning meet them in their map of reality. And then you integrate. In other words, you acknowledge it and build upon it. And for those of you on the podcast, stay tuned because I'm going to break down this information a little bit later. Those of you on the radio program, we will talk tomorrow. I am Mr. Black and you are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. This is where you come to live your life like it matters. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to leadership awakening. For probably two-thirds of my 30-year law enforcement career. I spent time in supervision and management, so I've been to a lot of leadership training. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I went to a leadership course in California where I worked, and it's an eight-month program. I went through that program. I went back later on as a facilitator, so I, I taught leadership. What we did in class was completely different than any other leadership program that I've been through. I mean, in 48 hours of leadership training in your program, it was just, it was dynamic. It was intense. It was powerful. You know, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. Well, podcasters, thanks for staying tuned. And now you get the bonus material. You know, today we've been talking about um, the business of people. And one thing I learned a long time ago is that we are different creatures. We are different creatures. You know, if you look around, you can see how different we are. We we live in a world uh, in America where they want to focus on all the differences. But I do want you to know that we are far more similar than we are different. And we have patterns, patterns that put us into groups and other people who act like us, who talk like us. And we're not talking about by race now. We're not talking about by skin color because I believe there's only one human race. Um, you know, we have something like three billion sets of pairs of DNA, uh, genetic DNA. And 99.9% of all of our DNA is the same. I don't know if you know that. 99.9% of all of our DNA is the same. Now, if you take three billion and you take, uh, what is it, 99.9, so one-tenth of 1%. I think that works out to be roughly 30 million, I think, or three million. I'm pretty sure it's 30 million. And so in those 30 million pairs uh, is all the difference that you see in height and weight and, and skin color, all that. Those are all genetic markers from the ability to roll your R's, uh, the slant of your eyes, um, the color of your skin. Those are all DNA markers. 
And so we are different without a doubt, but we are far more similar. We all want to love and be loved. Uh, we want to know we matter. Uh, we want to, um, you know, provide for our family. We want to know we're special. We want to be safe, have safety and security for ourselves and for those we love. Those are all similar wants and needs, no matter how different our skin color is. And think about this, Dr. Maslow, the, um, the um, hierarchy of needs, right? He's done with all human beings from all nations, from all walks of life, from all skin colors, from all tongues, from all creeds. You see what I'm saying? And yet there are lots of medical professionals, psychological professionals, professionals that put people in categories. And so how could they do that unless there's similarities? And so you need to, if, if you're in the people business, you need to know people. Now, there are lots of psychometrics, and the psychometric, I've done shows on this, you just gotta look at my old shows, you can see ones that say psychometrics. They're a way for someone to answer questions, and those questions put people in a zip code. Now, they don't put you in a box, and they don't make you know everything about this person, but they allow you to know the basics. Because the key to connecting with someone is something called rapport. And we're not going to go into rapport this, uh, this show, but rapport is an unconscious connection where you meet someone in their map of reality, in their map of the world. And once you meet them there, you uh, open up the level of communication. And now you can, depending on the level of rapport, you can basically meet them in their map of reality and then take them anywhere you want. Why does this matter? Rapport is the ability to connect with someone, to, to meet someone in their map rally. Let me give you an example. Let's say if you do outside sales. If you do outside sales, uh, you should always get to every appointment at least 15 minutes early. And not just to look prepared or be prepared, but really to look at people's walls. You want to look at their walls. Why would you look at their walls? Because do you know what people put on their walls? Those things that are important to them. And so what you're doing is you're looking for some uh, inter some information that will allow you to establish rapport. Because remember, selling is nothing more than gaining agreement with someone to buy your product, your service, your hand in marriage, your belief in God. And so before you begin that process, you want to connect with that person. You want to establish rapport. Because rapport works at the unconscious level. And the reason why it works is because people like people like themselves. Get this. The whole basis for racism, too. It's a part of the flesh. People like people like themselves. Like LeBron James, you know, all his people are just people who are black-skinned. You ever wonder who are your people? My people aren't a collective group of pale-skinned people. My people are those that do the will of God the Father. Remember, Jesus was asked, uh, you know, he was told, hey, uh, Jesus, your mother and your brother are at the door. I think it's John 6. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But he or she who does the will of my father, that is my mother. That is my brother. I have never felt a connection to anybody because of their pale skin. I don't know why, how people think that way. You know, I hear, you know, these black people talk about my people. I'm like, who are my people? Just because someone's white skin doesn't make them my people. There's a lot of white people I could care. I don't like at all. They're bitter. They're hateful. You know, I notice I can't say that about black people. Then it'd be a racist. But I can say that about white people. Isn't that amazing? So this is where you got to know who you are and why you're here. And, and you know what? You serve a God. If you serve God, let God be your judge, not man, because man's fickle. You know, the same people that hated uh, Donald Trump because supposedly he lied are okay with Joe Biden lying. The same people uh, that were offended uh, by uh, the uh, tweets of Trump 
doesn't mind that Joe Biden basically trashing 40% of the country, calling us names, calling us... But yet, see, uh, boy, we wanted to impeach one president because of a phone call he had. Here, this president abandoned our allies in Afghanistan, got 13 people killed, had broken all his promises, said that Donald Trump should be out of office for letting that many people die from COVID. Well, take a look. Joe Biden has a lot more people have died on Joe Biden's watch in a lot less time or the same amount of time now. And it was Trump that got Biden a vaccine. So, you know, again, we, we pretend to be uh, outraged and all this. But the same people that had all these problems with Donald Trump now all of a sudden have no problem with a guy named Joe Biden do a far worse. All Joe Biden's family is rich. No one seems to care about the emolument clause. Joe Biden's lived worked for the government for 50 years. How is he so wealthy? Donald Trump made his money outside the government sphere. So anyways, it's not about bad or good. This is about personal opinion. This is about feelings. And so you got to realize you can connect with people by knowing something about people. Now, what I told you before the break, I'm just going to a little detail and we'll get you out of here, is there's two things I use. My background's NLP. So we all process information through our senses, right? There's five coordinates in this thing called experience. What we saw, what we heard, what we felt, what we smelt, what we tasted. Those are the five senses. So you got to realize we all have a primary modality, a favorite, and then we have a secondary, and then we have a weaker third. Some people are pretty evenly balanced across. But this is where you just pay attention. Remember I said you interview people in the five-step connection process? Interviewing is just talking to them and being aware. So people fall into three categories. They have a primary learning style, a primary communication style. It's either visual, it's auditory, kinesthetic. And all you got to do is watch and listen to know what it is. Why do you need to know this? Because then you can meet them in their map of reality. If they're visual, talk to them as a visual. If they're auditory, adapt yourself, talk as an auditory. It doesn't matter what you are. There are far more teaching disabilities than there are learning disabilities because too many teachers teach to children the way they'd like to be taught to. The problem is that child's not you, and that child might not be as privileged as you, and that child might not be as smart as you were. So you don't teach to how you would like to be taught. You taught to how that child needs to be taught. That's how. So you got three categories of people, basically. you got visual people, and these are people who think primarily in a visual way. They tend to use language that contains visual words and phrases. Just listen. They say things like, I got the picture. Let's put this in perspective. Uh, you know, I need to, we need to have a conversation eye to eye. And you can create rapport by thinking in this way yourself, picturing internally the person's descriptions and using the same word of sensory based words, what we call predicates. Now, auditory people, in the same way, auditory predicates, such as I hear what you're saying, it sounds good to me, uh, that rings a bell, you hear the sounds, may indicate auditory thinking. Again, you've got to meet them in their map of reality. So you've got to match these words and recreate the sounds in your head. You will start to think the way the other person thinks. Identify with their thinking style and create rapport as you begin to, quote, speak their language. And then you have the kinesthetic. These are people who have a primary uh, kinesthetic thinking style. They will tend to use words relating to feeling or touch. You know, we're getting to grips with the problem or things are going smoothly or you ask them how they're doing, they'll say hanging in there or, or say, hey, next week, let's touch base. Do you see the physicality of those predicates? So by when we start to using that, using those words and stepping into our kinesthetic side, we start to get a sense for how these people express themselves. And by using similar words and figures of speech, we connect with them. 
It's phenomenal. Now, the other thing, and these are, I have two of them that I use. The other thing is I'm a, 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 um, a teacher, if you will, and uh, disc behavioral profiles. You know, that's a psychometric again. A disc is a psychometric. And what that means is it's a way to put people in the category. Disc is the original. It's The four letters are D-I-S-C. Uh, and it was written by Dr. William Marston in the book in 1920, I don't know, 27, 28 somewhere around there called the emotions of normal people and this is where he got went back to hippocrates who identified four different personality styles based on bodily fluids and this is where it comes from and so for me not only do i uh, pay attention to the visual auditory kinesthetic and match and model them but i also want to know in a in a rough way is this person what's their personality style because you have the D, the I, the S, and the C. Now you're dealing with two things, either outgoing or reserved, those are the two, the, the one, or task-oriented or focused-oriented, I mean people-oriented. So those two things, is this person that you're standing in front of, are they more outgoing or reserved? That's the first thing you gotta figure out, it's pretty quick, and that'll tell you half the equation. And the other equation is, is this person more people-focused or task focus. And those two things right there, knowing those two answers, those two questions will put you into the proper zip code for you to connect and establish rapport and then you can do whatever you want to do. So the D personality uh, is outgoing and task oriented. I'm a D personality. And let me give you a couple D's to describe that type of personality. They are dominant, they are direct, they are demanding, they are decisive, they are determined, they are a doer. So if you're talking to someone that is outgoing and task oriented, uh, then you need to match them. You need to to be uh, decisive. You need to keep it simple and short. You need to not waste this person's time. You need to, I mean, you need to talk in their language. Now, I, the I personality is also outgoing like the D, but they're more people-oriented. They love people. Let me give you some I words. They're inspiring. They're influencing. They're impressionable. They're interactive. They're impressive, and they are interested in people. They are the ones that their best friend is the person they're with now. They exactly exaggerate a lot. They're talking all the time. They are the star, if you will. The D is the exclamation point. <laughs> the D is the exclamation point. The I is the star. And then you go down to S. Now, S, the largest quantity of people fall in the S category. These are your best team members. They are people-oriented like the I, but unlike the D, they are more reserved. Remember, the D is outgoing, where the S is reserved. This is your. These are supportive people, stable people, steady, sweet, static status quo, shy, don't rock the boat, can't we all just get along, they don't need a lot of attention, and they're the best team members, and then the last one is C personality styles, which they are reserved like the S, the difference is they are task focused, where the S is people focused, the C is task focused, the words describe this person as cautious, calculating, competent, conscientious, contemplative, and careful, and so, just the facts, ma'am, uh, this is the question mark, the C has the question mark. Uh, the S has the balance beam, can't we, right? And so all this to say is what you need to do is understand the person you're dealing with and then adapt yourself because that's how you build a rapport. You establish rapport by stepping out of your map of reality and stepping, stepping into someone else's map of reality. That's the key.
And so that's part of the process. So remember the five-step connection process. First, you got to have a desire. Second, pay attention. Find out what category this person is in. Are they visual, auditory, kinesthetic? Are they a D, I, S, or C personality? And that's what in the interviewing you're paying attention because in number three, you're going to identify those traits, those qualities, those predicates to make note of them. And then number four, you're going to adapt. You're going to meet them in their map reality. In NLP, we have presuppositions that say the most flexible element in a system is the most powerful. It's called requisite variety. As a leader, you need to be that element. And then number five, you integrate. You acknowledge. You acknowledge something they're doing well based on that information you picked up. And then you say, well, and the reason we're here today, and then you transition from that rapport into the sales cycle. So remember, ladies and gentlemen, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter where your paycheck comes from, we are all in the people business. And once you get that, then you can truly live your life like it matters. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.